0: As we said, when we began, we're continuing this series of the pictures of Jesus love for us. And tonight the word is ransom. What kind of image does ransom bring to mind? Perhaps it might be something like the ancient or historic slave market in Charleston, South Carolina. It turns our blood cold when we realize what went on there black men, women, and children kidnapped from the African continent brought here to be sold into slavery. It's an ugly part of our nation's history. There are some who would say anything like this, we ought to just tear down and forget about our history. But when it comes to our sins, what we've done wrong, We don't want to forget it, we don't want to erase it and possibly just go on repeating it. But think of the word ransom in conjunction with this. To ransom someone from slavery would mean you'd step up in that slave market, you'd bid, you would pay the price and then set them free. I don't know the pressure at that time if for someone to do that it would take a lot of money but it would also take a lot of bravery but ransoming paying the price for the sins of an individual or the people of God as a whole involved much more in Psalm 49 no man can redeem the life of another. Or give to god a ransom for him the ransom for a life is costly no payment is ever enough in the scriptures no monetary payment could ever ransom a person from sin what was required always was blood in the old testament the blood of sacrificial animals over and over and over again but as the writer to the the Hebrews says, when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So the great ransomer, to coin a word is our Lord as Timothy says for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people in what way did Jesus bring his own blood in order to pay for our sins anyone who's heard more than a couple Lutheran sermons no and it almost can become formulaic. formulaic. Uh, He died a horrible, ugly death, God forsaken death on a criminal's cross on Golgotha, a hill outside of Jerusalem. But what does this mean for our daily lives? Living with our families, caring for our neighbors, perhaps being neighborly to our neighbors, we might say i find it instructive that the word ransom is used by our lord in connection with a request that we heard in the gospel a request from the mother of james and john she's only uh, they're identified as the sons of zebedee her name isn't given if our lord's life were being timed it would be 10 minutes of midnight He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's just outside of Jericho, and soon they will climb the steep Judean hills, go through Bethany, up over the Mount of Olives, and then to the city of Jerusalem, the city that made every good Jew's heart pound faster. Along the way, he stops to tell the disciples for the third time that he's going to go there, will suffer, be crucified, a criminal's death, die, but on the third day he will rise again. What follows is almost too human, To it embarrasses us. It breaks in on that pious mood that we sometimes have when we read scripture, we hear the mother of James and John, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. We know the script well. If you're going to make it in this world, you have to know someone. And boy, if you know someone, you better make use of it. Mother of James and John was doing that here. Any one of us could be involved, but it wasn't only her that pleaded her case. Did you note that when the other 10 disciples heard what was going on, they were angry. Instead it says they were indignant with the two brothers. It wasn't that they were interrupting Jesus on his way. It was that the mother of, of James and John got her oar in the water before they did. And in response, our Lord turns to them all and says, whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many a slave no never numero uno is fashionable number one i know that new jersey isn't the only place that this happens but Sometimes I thought it was practice to a fine art, this number one. We saw evidences of it. I drove the Garden State Parkway every day to work, and it's a toll road, and at that point before all sorts of transponders and that, you bought a roll of tokens because they were a little cheaper than throwing in the, the money. And as I pulled up to the Essex Toll Plaza, ready to throw my token my eyes fixed on the car ahead of me a mercedes but not just a mercedes a 420 SL you know the long one and then my eyes dropped and there was a license plate one up I'm not an excitable guy I don't get mad easily But I wanted to ram that license plate right into the trunk of the Mercedes. So we pulled away. He left me in the dust. I talked to myself at a time like that. I said, Sandman, what's wrong? You normally don't get that mad. And I had to realize finally that the problem was he had the Mercedes and I was driving a Chevy. I was caught. Well I got home that evening and Marilyn came, told her this story and she said I have an even better one. She had a co-worker at work who was also a Lutheran and he said that in his neighborhood a uh, Harvard decal appeared in the rear window of a neighbor, in, uh, of the car. That's not unusual. but. In a hand lettered, with a hand lettered sign large enough to be read from fifty feet away, it also said, also accepted at Princeton and Penn State. Numero uno, three times over. Instead, whoever wants whoever wants to be first must be your slave. By human standards, he who was really number one lived that life. He went through those trials before Caiaphas, before Pilate, and finally was crucified. And even after his Easter resurrection, we find him in John's Gospel on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, fixing breakfast for his disciples and calling them to himself. He came to serve rather than be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many in this case means all, that's as more than us in the church. That in turn means the church rightly in its servant attitude reaches out beyond its doors to people to share that gospel of Jesus Christ, certainly in words and with deeds. St. Michael has done it again recently, stacks of diapers that were in the back distributed to the neighborhood and to other places. And when there emerges a community who is ready to serve others rather than gain fame or fortune themselves. It truly is a work of God. The Swiss theologian Emil Brunner wrote, the church is for mission as fire is for burning. When the church remembers the words of its Lord it shall not be so among you. It is freed to serve, to commit itself to the work of healing and helping that begins for each one of us uh, individually in our neighborhoods sin is always tempting perhaps during this last snowstorm you you backed out of your driveway came to church but yours were the only tire tracks in the snow on the way it's easy to think to say or think well, at least we're getting out. But that attitude comes through no matter how we try to, to uh, put it down. When we think of our neighbors in that way, the servant mind says, we have to share that love of Christ with them. How can they have a full life without that? And that extends then to our activities as a congregation. Years ago, Reverend Dwayne Mao, who was a mission executive of the Atlantic District of our church, told a gathering of pastors, who speaks for the unchurched? And that has always haunted me. We rightly plan Bible studies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, fellowship, whatever it is, for our members to build them up in faith, build you up and all of us up in faith and love and so on. We also also have to always ask, how can we welcome that person who lives right over there or over there? How can we welcome the person who might just wander in on a Sunday morning? Do we plan for that? I've heard it said by a pastor, in fact, a couple. We're here, our doors are open, so they can come. The truth is Back in the 60s when the hippies rebelled and did not go to church, their children were never introduced to church or Sunday school. And now there's at least one more generation from that. And for the individual on the street who has never stepped inside a church, it's as as fearsome as if you and I would want to walk into a mosque and attend a worship service and have no idea what to do. They need our personal invitation to come with us. And so we we work at that here. Saint Michael has, continues to have a history of reaching out and our missional pastor, Pastor Sean, is I know looking forward to the time when The the next senior pastor is here and he can turn all of his energies toward that missional work again. In the meantime, connecting people to Jesus is a part of each one of our lives and hearts. And as you go home tonight and pass your neighbor's house, take a little time to think and to pray, if they are not somehow not associated with the church, or so far as you know, do not know their Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you that way. So we are ransomed. The the price of our salvation and all, all has been paid. And by his love and care and by the Holy Spirit's power, we together and individually will reach out and share that ransoming Lord with others. God, the Holy Spirit, form us in the likeness of our ransoming Savior and bring us to share your love in your name. Amen. the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting, amen.